Well, good morning, church. Uh, good morning, church here. It is good to see all of you uh, in the building today. You look really, really good. It's good to see all of you online. Now, I can't see you. I've got to use my imagination, but we're glad all of you are watching online today. Today's a special day, and we are glad that all of you, all of you are here with us. Um, we have been in for the last Oh, nine weeks or so, we have been in this series on the book of Philippians. And today, Paul will end this series that we've been in. He ends the book of Philippians with um, a verse that has one of the greatest promises that I think all of us would love to be living in. Now, here's what I need to say. Uh, um, you know how each, each time... I have talked about that these principles that we're learning, they are easy to understand and harder to live out, right? Now, here's the deal. This one that I'm gonna give you today is easy to understand and it's easy to live out. Somebody say amen, right? Aren't you ready for an easy one to live out? Now, I say it's easy to live out because it's a, it's a simple way to live and it's a simple thing to do. Where it becomes difficult is when you make a choice to do it. And so Paul is going to talk to us today. And he, here's, what, here's what he says as, as we look at uh, this book of Philippians and we kind of bring this to a conclusion, how to have more than happiness in our life. Here's what he says in verse 419. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Um, that's a powerful verse that we, he will take care of everything you need. Now watch this, his generosity exceeding your generosity. In other words, you can't outgive God. You, you can't give more than God. God has a bigger shovel than you have. <laughs> you, just, you just can't outgive God. God says, my generosity my love for you, the things that I wanna pour out into your life. He says, my generosity is always greater than yours. And so then here's the obvious question that some of you have. Then why do we have so many unmet needs in our lives? Because he's talking about more than just finances here. You realize that. He's talking about generous in every way. And so if God is so generous and his generosity far exceeds my generosity, why, why do I have so many needs in my life? Well, when we started this series, you remember one of the first things that we taught is every promise in the word of God is preceded by a premise. There is a condition attached to it, where God says, if you will do this, if you will live like this, I will do this for you. Started back in the Old Testament where God looked at his children, the children of Israel, and he said, if you will live like this, if you will be faithful to me, if you will follow me all the days of your life, I will watch over you, I will take care of you, I will cause your crops to grow in abundance, I will protect you from the enemy. Every, all through the Bible, every promise, God has a premise before it. If we do this, he will do this. So here's the deal. I can't claim Philippians 4.19 unless I claim, unless I live out, unless I do the premise that is right before this, the verses before this. And in that passage in verses 14 through 18 that we're gonna look at today, there is this passage where ta Paul talks about the incredible generosity 
of the Philippian church. And so Paul says, Paul teaches that in order for God to fulfill this promise where he will take care of everything that you need, his generosity poured out on you more than you could ever give back to him. Paul says that in order for that to happen, God says, I will, I will do that, but there is a premise attached to it and it has to do with generosity. Come on, um, I thought this was appropriate on... Um, Pastor Stan and Pastor Liz, where, where are they? They're, they're right over there. Hey, how you doing, Stan? You can't hide behind that camera. I see you over there. I see you. I thought this was, this was great. I had, um, I had Stan, one of, the, uh, one of the last things that I had Stan do for me is I had him pull up over the last year how much money, now this just has to do with resources, money. I'm not talking about the way people served and all the things we did for people, the all the things that we have done even around the world. This just has to have, this just has to do with Kokomonaz and how much resources we have given away to others. Watch this. I had him pull this up. We have given away, you have given away this past year over $400,000. Somebody say amen. Um, now, I just want to, let me, let me just hit, I, I don't even have time. It would take the whole message to go through the entire list, all the things that Stad pulled down for me. Uh, but let me just give you a few things that, I, I, that your giving has done. It has supported missionaries in a, over 168 world countries. It has built churches, hospitals, schools on mission fields around the world. We helped the poor. We cared for the sick and assisted people going through hard times in our church and in our community this past year. We purchased over $5,500 worth of Bibles for those in jails. We supported mission trips, helped many more go and serve on those trips. We supported retired ministers and widows who have served so faithfully all of their years, like the way that we honor Pastor Liz and Pastor Stan today. We helped our colleges all around the world train up young people for ministry, to give their life for ministry. We, we supported several children in ch child sponsorship. We sent medical supplies to hospitals and clinics on mission fields. We supported, oh, come on, somebody get ready to clap or say amen on this one. We supported Living Alternative Pregnancy Center who helped eight to 10,000 women this past year choose life. <laughs> we purchased DVD players so our shut-ins, especially during this COVID time where it's a little difficult for them to learn to understand the internet and Facebook and all that, DVD players where Miss Diane could just take the message, the service to them each week and they just put it in and hit one button and play it. We did that. We gave great support for local compassionate ministries, helping so many in our church and so many in our community. We supported Voice of the Martyrs who seeks to defend the rights of the persecuted Christians around the world. We, we blessed Acacia Christian Academy and were once again a strong presence this year at the Howard County Fair presenting the gospel to people right here in our midst. We gave... Um, we gave uh, over, I gotta stop and think, Stan, help me out. Is it, was it, um, it it's like over $115,000 to a lot of Kunga Church. 
Um, plus, we just raised like $16,000 recently to help build the church and then to help uh, feed the people in the church and in their community during the time of COVID where all of them, you know, they lost their jobs and didn't have income. And we have done so much more that I don't even have time to share today. Here's the deal. Kokomo Naz has a reputation of being an incredibly generous church. Would you give praise to God for his faithfulness to us? Now, this is not, this is not by coincidence. Coincidence, I believe this is why God helped us so tremendously over the last several months, and our finances have been as good or better than we were a year ago. Praise be to God. Why? Because we are a generous church. Your generosity can never outgive God. Whatever it is you give, he will always give back to you in a greater fashion. I believe it. I have lived it. I will stand until my dying day and say, you cannot ever outgive God. Ooh, I might start preaching here pretty soon. Well, Paul is bragging on this church. He's just talking about the incredible generosity at this church at Philippi. He's like, he just can't believe how generous they have been. So, and now we're gonna look at 2 Corinthians chapter eight, but here's what Paul is saying. Um, He's talking about the church of Philippi. He's talking about the church of Macedonia. In this case, he's talking about the church of Macedonia. Watch what he says. And you know, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Watch this. In the midst of a very severe trial, so they're going through like the toughest things they have ever gone through, persecution, and and, uh, they're just being bombarded with stuff. Paul says, in the midst of the most severe trial they have ever been through, come on, you are, some of you are in a trial right now. Watch this. Their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul says your your generosity has nothing to do with your circumstances. Your generosity has nothing to do with whatever it is you're going through in your life right now. Your generosity has nothing to do with what your checkbook looks like. He goes on to say, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able, watch this, and even beyond their Ability. How in the world do you give more than you are able? He's going to talk to us about that. He said entirely on their own. In other words, nobody pleaded with them. Nobody begged. Nobody said, you got to be generous. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, I've pastored quite a while, but I have to tell you, I have never been in a service and we took the offering and at the end of the service, somebody, people in the church just stood up and said, please, pastor, please, can we take another offering, please? This is the church. And they exceeded our expectations. How, how did they do that? How did they give beyond what they were able to give? Because they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then through the will of God, they were able to bless us. He is just bragging on this generous church. And here's the question that I had. Could God brag about, not our church. I've already bragged about our church and I think God would. 
could God brag about your generosity? Let me tell you, let me tell you how generous this person is. Let me tell you how much they trust me. Let me tell you how their heart just uh, wells up with praise and thanks. They, they give their time, they give their money, they give their energy, they give their talents. They, they come to worship me and it doesn't matter what's being sung or done. They just worship me and give me praise. Let me tell you about their generosity. And so Paul ends this book, this powerful book of Philippians with this idea of this one final habit that we can develop, which is really a fun habit and it's easy to develop. It just takes a choice. How many of you know that when you came to Christ, it had nothing to do with your labor or your efforts. You just had to say yes to him. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to like struggle like, oh, I'm trying to be good enough to be a great. No, no, no. It was just a simple decision in your heart that you wanted to receive Christ into your life. And he came in a moment and did that. And Paul is saying this idea of generosity is a lot like that. It is not something that you have to struggle to do. It's not something that's difficult to do. It just becomes a decision on your part that I want to be a generous person. And Paul says, the more generous I am, here's what Paul will teach, the more happy I will be. The more I give of my time and my efforts and my research, the more I help people, the more I give, the more happy I will be. The proverb writer said it this way, the kind and generous person, what? Benefits themselves. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's, there, let, me, let me give you two or three things that means. Here's what it means. It means you reap what you sow. You, you reap what you sow. In other words, if, if you plant an apple seed, I know this is gonna be deep for some of you, especially you watching online, this is a little heavy for you this morning. If you plant an apple tree, you're gonna get some apples. You, you're not gonna plant some apple seed in the ground and wake up and go, I can't believe I didn't get oranges today, right? So what you, what you reap, you sow. Um, you, 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 that's, just, that's just nature, the fact. Here's the second thing, you reap after you sow. You don't reap first, but you do something, you give something, you plant a seed and some results come quickly. And there are some things, results that take a long time to happen, but reaping always comes after you sow it. I wish I had time for this part of the message, I don't, but let me just say it this way. Some of you are not reaping much right now in your life in a lot of different areas, especially with joy and happiness, because you haven't sown much in your life. And this idea of generosity, this idea of reaping, it comes because we have sown things. It, we, it comes after we sow. And then, and then the last thing is you reap always, always, always. You reap more than you sow. What you give, God has a way of multiplying. I don't know how he does it. I don't, I don't have his formula. I can't put it on paper. All I can tell you is standing here after 40 years in ministry and 40 years married to that woman on the front row that in our lives, we have found over and over again that whatever we have given to God, he has given us way more back than we ever thought we would get. I remember 
Come on, some of you, some of you have seen this principle at, at work in your life. I'm just going to give a simple illustration, and I'm not. This is not. This is not prosperity theology. It's a principle. Years ago, when we were doing a, a large building program, uh, Vicky and I made. Uh, we prayed about it, and we made a pretty substantial pledge. I mean, it was a real sacrifice. And we were just going to faithfully give each week, and we did. But um, a, a few weeks into it, Vicky came to me one day, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, "I need to talk to you on the couch." I had, come on, how many? I had the worst thoughts going through my head. The first was, "What was? What have I done?" <laughs> and she sat there on the couch, and. She started, she opened an envelope and started peeling out all this money and laid it across the table. And she said, for, for a long, long time, she said, I have just put money back over the last couple years or so and I've saved all this money. And she had thousands of dollars sitting there on our coffee table. And she said, because I didn't want it to be a drain on our budget. And so I just put back every week and I've saved these, this money in order to replace my car, which needed to be replaced. And then she said, with tears coming down her cheeks, but I have just felt in my heart convicted that I want to give all of this, besides what we have committed, I wanna give all of this to the building program as well. So here's, here's the deal, come on and this is what you gotta understand. With great joy, we gave that. We didn't begrudgingly give it. We didn't like, you know, oh, this is so hard. No, no, with joy. And, and I'm not saying this is how God works. So don't get that in your eye. I'm just saying, here's the principle. We reap more than we sow. It was a short time later. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. I'll, you want to hear the whole story? Come see me. I'll tell you the whole story. But a short time later, we had a surprise from no that totally stunned us, that paid off my vehicle and enabled us to buy her a new car too. We reaped so much more than we sowed. And I could just sit here and tell you story after story after story of that in our life because we have seen that. It is true, you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, you always reap more than you sow. So Paul gives five things that happens if you choose to be a generous person. And again, it's not difficult. Now the difficulty is in your decision. It's like the difficulty when you see Christ. Some of you remember the battle, right? Because you wanted to hold on to your life. But you surrendered your life and it freed you up. And, and if you have Christ in your life, your life is so much better than what it was because we reap more than we sow. And so Paul gives five things that happen if we choose to be generous. Here they are. The first one is this, I reap the gratitude of others. When I am generous, I reap, I get to enjoy the gratitude of seeing other people blessed. Paul said it this way, how grateful I am how I praise the Lord that you are helping me. Again, it wasn't the first time. This was a pattern in their life. They lived a life of generosity. And then, and then he went on to say, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news. In other words, no other church did it like you did it. You, you, were, you were like abundantly generous. He said, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. So I am 
what? Generously supplied with all of the gifts that you have sent to me. And then he says, every time I think of you, I just give thanks to God. So here's a question that I have to ask myself often and that I'll challenge you to ask yourself as well. Is anybody grateful for your generosity? Does anybody benefit? Is their life better because of your, can you, can you think of two or three people in your life that you're grateful for? that stepped in, they were generous with you, they gave to you, they helped you, they served you in some way, they lifted you to a different level and you could just say, they have been so generous to me. Here's what I would do, I would encourage some of you, as you think back on your life and they may not even be here anymore, but if they are, maybe you'd consider sending somebody a note this week and just say, I just wanna say thank you for how you have blessed me. Many of you did that yesterday as you walked through the line out here as we honored Pastor Stan and Pastor Liz. Many of you maybe even wrote them a card or a note and just said, thank you for your incredible ministry. Why? Because their generosity touched yours. Paul said also, um, I show what really matters when I live a generous life. How you spend your time and how you spend your money shows what really matters in your life. Wasn't it Jesus that said, wherever your money is, your heart will be there? He didn't say where your heart will be, your money will follow. No, he said where, where your money is, that is where your heart will be. Can I just, this probably shocks some of you. I really don't think about Microsoft at all during the week. Two reasons, one is I use a Mac, <laughs> just saying. Um, <laughs> and the second reason I don't think about them is I don't own stock in Microsoft. Now, some of you may, I don't. I don't own any stock. Now, here's the deal. If I did own stock every day, well, maybe not every day, but I would often check it. Come on, some of you got some stock, you check it like, you check it more than you check the Bible, right? You're just on there checking it. Why are you doing that? Why? Because it has a, it has a piece of your heart. Why? Because that's where your money is. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, wherever you put your stuff, whatever you're generous with, that's where your heart will be. Where you put your money, that's where your heart will be. So Paul to the Philippian church said this, all the things I once thought were so very important, I now just consider them garbage is the word he uses because of Christ, why? Because he has put, he has put all of his worth in Christ. He, he, he has given himself, he has laid down his life. Paul literally gave all of his stuff for the kingdom of God. And he said, he, he is, all of that stuff is just garbage compared to knowing Christ. Why? Because that's where his stuff was. It shows, it shows, it shows what really matters. Paul said, because we're citizens of heaven. He said, if I were just a citizen of this earth, I'd care about the things of earth. If I was just a citizen of earth, I'd care about my bank account every day, it wouldn't matter. I'd care about my house. 
But Paul says, ultimately, none of it matters because I realize I'm only here for a short time. I have a new home. I am a citizen of heaven. I'm not living for here. I'm not storing up treasure here. I am storing it up for an eternal perspective. And see, that's the real issue. Some of you have yet to possess an eternal perspective and realize that you are a citizen, not of this earth, but a citizen of heaven. Another thing that comes when we're generous is Paul said, I become more like God when I'm generous. Well, where are you getting that pastor? Well, giving is the essence of God, isn't it? First verse, most of you probably learned, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, it's just the essence of who he is. If you're gonna be like God, you have to learn to be generous. First Chronicles 29 says, everything we have has come from you, Lord. And we can only give to you what is already yours. I know you think when you go home today and you open the door to your house and you go, I know you think it's your house, but listen, Christian, it's not your house. I know you get on and you look at your app and you're like pulling up your bank account, but here's what I wanna tell you, it's not your bank account. <laughs> Everything that we have, it, it all belongs to him. In other words, all the stuff in my life, it's really, it, it's his already, it's, it belongs to him, he gave it to me. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The Father. And every time you, you give, your heart tweaks a little bit to look more like God. Fully devoted followers want always their hearts to look more and more like God the Father. And Paul said, when I develop a life of generosity, here's another thing he said, I strengthen my faith. My faith gets stronger. Now, you only strengthen a muscle when you use it. You know, like when you go to the gym, I'm talking to the three of you in here that do. Uh, when, you, when you go to the gym, you're, 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 you're really tearing muscle down, but you're using muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger, the stronger it gets. And when I am generous, I strengthen my faith. Why? Because when I take something that I have and I give it to someone else and instead of using it on me, I help someone else, then, come on, now I have to depend on God to help me meet my need. And when I do, I'm exercising faith. I have to trust God more. And when I do, it strengthens my faith. Is this making sense at all today? Come on. Every time I give, my faith grows. Uh, Vicky and I, when we first got married, we, we always gave, we're always faithful, but I just have to tell you, come on, can any, I mean, anybody identify, anybody ever written the check and it hurt a little bit? Because you're thinking about all the needs that you have that week and you're thinking of the shortfall and it just like, just like hurts. It's like some of you trying to get in a pool. Are you with me? Come on. Wouldn't you like to be in a nice, cool pool right now? Um, it's like, you know, some of you go up, some of you go up like my kids used to do when they were little, and you put your foot in, you're like touching in that cold water, and you're like, whoo, it's cold. It's painful. 
And then there are some of you who you just take off running and you just jump right in and about one second in, it feels great, right? And, and, and so it's, you know, as I give, it strengthens me because I, I, every time I give, I, I'm trusting, uh, my faith grows because I, I have to trust him more. So in regards to this point, here's where this verse comes that Paul talks about that we mentioned last week. Do not worry about anything. Hmm, wonder what that word means, anything. How many of you this week, like <laughs> after the message last week when I talked about don't worry and don't be under stress, how many of you like all week long you had things to worry about and you were under stress, right? Because I'm telling you, that's the way it is when I preach a message. It's like the devil tries to hit me with it either the week before or the week after. He says, instead pray and talk to God for everything you need. Always, always, always giving thanks. Don't worry about anything. In other words, I'm gonna live a generous life and I'm gonna trust God. And if God prompts me, even though I don't understand it, to give to something, to someone, to help, to be generous, to be kind, to serve, I, don't, I may not understand how it's gonna all, I'm just gonna do it. And then I'm gonna trust him that he's gonna work all that other stuff out and meet my needs each time he does. And every time I do that, my faith gets a little stronger each Time. Here's what I want to tell you. When we first got married and we're writing that check out to the dime, does everybody understand what I'm saying? You know, you're like writing it out to the penny almost and it hurts. See, that was a long way from sitting there with thousands of dollars on a table and pushing it all back to God and say, it's all yours. How did we get to that point? Because each time we gave, our faith just grew a little more and God was more faithful and we learned we couldn't outgive God and to where it just became so easy and automatic and it became a joy. And the last one is this, when I am generous, oh, have you ever thought about this? I make God smile. Now I know God loves me. I always knew my mom and dad loved me. I never doubted the love of my mom and dad. <laughs> But I gotta tell I know this will shock you, but there were days I did not make them smile. But the more mature I got, the more I grew, the more I loved to see my life and my actions bring a smile to their face and to their heart. And Paul said in verse Philippians verse, uh, four, chapter four, verse 18, your gifts, your generosity, Oh, watch this, are like a fragrant offering to God. You ever walk in a room, there's a fragrance, you're like, what is that? And you stop and pause, it gets the attention of God. A sacrifice that God accepts and it is pleasing to him. Those of you that have children, you had children growing up, are, are you happy when your kids are selfish? Like when they are just selfish and they're like, no, me, mine, and they hold on to their stuff. Do you just sit back and go, oh, that's my boy. He's so selfish. I love him. No. Does it make your heart happy when you see them being extremely generous? Yes. And so is God. God smiles at his children when we are generous because we're ultimately trusting him 
Paul said, God, come on, now we're back to the promise. We talked about the premise. Here's what Paul said. And God will meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on, God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. Here's how, you, here's, let me help you memorize a verse. This is a verse every one of you should have memorized. I think you should have uh, verse six through eight, you ought to memorize that, but here's a good one. I think Philippians 4.13, that's my favorite, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's one that you need. Why do you need the promises of God? Because tomorrow you will have Satan sitting on your shoulder and he's gonna whisper in your ear all day long lies. And the only way you get over that is to breathe back to him the promises of God. And so here's how you do it. Start out with the reference first. So Philippians 4.19, uh, read this, say this with me. We're gonna start with the reference. Say this with me, we'll say the verse. Here we go. Philippians 4.19, oh, wait, 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 wait. Apparently you didn't understand I meant all of us, right? Okay, all of us. I know you thought I was talking just online. Online, you can do it too. Here we go. Philippians 4:19. God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Say it again. Philippians 4:19. God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Say it again. Philippians 4.19, God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. They didn't switch to the next slide and some of you cheated. All right, here we go. How does God, how many needs will God meet? All. How does he meet them? Through Christ Jesus. What is the promise to the premise Generosity, or what is the premise of the promise? Generosity, as I am generous, this verse rings true in my life. And you need to memorize these verses. We don't give you like the, and I know it's hard because you can't get a paper copy, but we do have them online. You can access them through our website on the sermon section, but you need to memorize these verses. You need, some of you are defeated every day in your life because Satan's on your shoulder throwing stuff out and you believe it and you don't have the promises of God to fight him off with. And so this week, when you think I don't have enough time, <laughs> you pause and say, God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I'm not, I'm not feeling good today. I feel like I need energy to get through the day. God will meet all of my needs today according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I need, I need a job. God will meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I need emotional healing. I feel like I'm about ready to have a breakdown. God will meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But you have to remember the premise before the promise. And God says, I'm watching to see if you will be generous. And for some of you, come on, listen to me. Some of you, this is the area in your life that is holding so many of you back from where God wants to take you. It is getting from a life of selfishness to a life of generosity and living under the blessings of God who promises to meet all of 
your need. Can I tell you what I have found? Have you ever read a promise of God and then you found out the promise had more to it than what you thought? Here's what I have found. God will meet all of my needs and a whole lot of my wants <laughs> through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And there's two ways that you can be generous. Let me give them to you. First one is I can give by reason. That's a good place to start. Sit down, figure it all out. Look at the checkbook, figure it all out. Um, what's a reasonable amount I can give? I look at what's reasonable. I don't have to pray about it. I don't need God to work anything out because I can see it's gonna work out. And that's good. And that's a great place to start, but it doesn't require faith. Come on. There are so many of you that you don't, you, don't, you don't need God to come through in areas of your life like finances because you got it all figured out. It's not, you're not being stretched and you don't live your life day by day by faith. There are a lot of churches that live like that. When I did consulting, I worked with many churches and they had a whole lot of money sitting in the bank, but they were doing nothing with it and their church was dying. So I can give by just reason or I can give by revelation and revelation always comes from God through his Holy Spirit. It's like the Philippines, uh, uh, the Philippines, the Philippians, sorry. Uh, Sorry, all you in the Philippines, God loves you too. And you can be generous there as well. Yeah, send emails to Pastor Stan. <laughs> G, what's your new one? Gmail.com. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> they gave more than they were able. How do you do that? Not by reason, but by revelation. God, God lays on it, you give by revelation. You're saying in, fourth, uh, in faith, Lord, what do you wanna do? What do you wanna give through me? How do you wanna bless through me? Faith says, I don't even understand how it's all gonna happen, but if you lay it on my heart, I'm gonna do it. And God will give you an amount beyond what you think you can do. So it forces you to trust him and it brings growth in your life. And some of you struggle in this. And one of the reasons you struggle is you have given God your sins. Come on, stay with me, stay with me online. You have given God your sins, but you have never given God fully control of your life. And there are areas like this that you're just, you're holding on. And if we have learned anything from Philippians, for what Paul has taught us in this book of Philippians is that real happiness always comes, only comes from a life fully surrendered to God. It's not simply asking him to forgive you. It's giving him control, letting him sanctify your heart through and through, fully devoted to him, allowing to guide you in all things growth. Somebody say amen. Well, all right. Um, That is the end of Philippians. Um, Next few weeks, I'm gonna share um, some of my favorite passages. So we're gonna do a little, not necessarily a series. Okay, here's the series, pastor's favorite passages. So I'm gonna do, (laughs) I'm really excited about the next three weeks. So you'll wanna miss that. Um, But what I wanna do is I wanna remind us that today is a, a sad day and it's a glad day. Um, we are sad because Stan and Liz are retiring and I was walking through the halls today and I just could, I just could hardly believe um, that I'm gonna be walking those halls without 
the wisdom of Liz and the uh, humor of Stan and that smile. They have been such a vital part of the church, haven't they? Down through all of these years, seeing this chapter come to a close, it's just hard to even... Man, it's hard to even imagine yet talk about it. And, it. and it's sad, so it's sad because we love them, right? And our hearts are full of thanks and praise for all the ways that they have made a difference in the lives of people and in our church down through all these years. Um, but we're glad too. You can be sad and glad at the same time. Um, you know, my dad died. I, I gotta tell you, I was very sad, but I was also very glad because he had received his eternal reward. And we can be glad and sad. We, we're glad they have served faithfully all these years because there are a lot of pastors that, and, and staff that get pulled out of ministry because of black chapters or different things that pull them out. They have stayed, they have served without blemish on their record. They have been faithful to the call. They have been faithful to the church. They have been faithful um, to their spouses. So we are glad and we celebrate with them this day. Would you just watch this video for a moment? I would like to ask uh, Liz and Bruce, if you'd join me up here along with Stan and Connie, if you would just come and join us up here on the platform for just a moment. I know how much uh, Bruce is loving this right now. But. <laughs> You're fine right there, yeah, good. Wow. Hmm. Hey, um, <laughs> I, we just want to pause and say thank you. Um, so many ministers have not finished strong like you have. <laughs> some were taken out, some took themselves out, um, but you have stayed faithful. Now, there were days when ministry was difficult <laughs> and people were critical and the days were long and the thought um, often hits your mind of selling cars somewhere or doing anything else but ministry, right? Uh, but you hung in there. And I don't think, um, I, I, we, we have an idea, but I don't think anyone knows the challenges and hurts and the burdens and the stresses that you have carried down through the years and the price that you have paid, except maybe another minister. <laughs> so as your pastor, I just wanna say, hey, well done, well done. Mm. Yeah. Okay, you can sit down. <laughs> See, they stood because they thought that was the end and they would leave if they clapped, but. <laughs> and let me, let me just say a few words, not to Stan and Liz, but to Bruce and Connie, um, because you have served faithfully and lovingly beside your spouse. And all of us are here smart enough to know they're better because of the two of you. Um, I know that it's been a team effort through the years 
And the, the two of you have had, to, uh, have had to share your spouse with an entire church, and you had to share them and give sacrificially at times when it was inconvenient, but you did it anyway. There were meals that probably didn't get eaten at the right time or events that you had planned that had to get changed. Um, and I just wanted to say to the two of you that though we're honest, honoring your spouses because they were the ones on staff, we have not overlooked to you today. We've not overlooked you today and we just give honor and we give thanks and we just wanna say thank you to you as well this morning. Yeah. Um, just real quickly, um, I don't wanna read all of this, but I have, uh, have a letter from our district superintendent for each of you. Um, basically, congratulations on your retirement after 25 and 30 years of faithful ministry and service to Kokomo First Nazarene. Your partnership in the mission of God and with the Church of the Nazarene has brought so many into the kingdom and has given such great witness to his grace and compassion over the years. Your service to the congregation, the district, and the denomination have been a blessing to so many. Thank you for your tremendous ministry and the lives transformed and neighborhoods impacted forever because of your faithfulness to him and your calling. And there's some more on there that I'll let you read. Um, but I also have uh, a letter from, for each from Dr. Graves, who is our general superintendent. And uh, I wanna read these. Uh, Stan, he says, dear Stan, congratulations. I am pleased to thank you for 25 years of faithful ministry at Kokomo First Church of the Nazarene. And I join you, your friends and family and church and guests in celebrating your retirement today. God has used you to minister to a local congregation, this congregation. You have led, taught, encouraged many along the way. As you have followed God's leadership and felt his presence, he has empowered you to express leadership and presence to the Kokomo Nazarene family. And in turn, you have ministered together with your community and for your community. As you celebrate today, I trust you will experience the renewed joy and delight of our Lord and his abundant grace for you. May you receive a double portion of the blessing you have given so many and may God grant you and Connie all his best blessings in this new chapter of your lives. And um, he gives up some more, I'll let you read. And then, boy, it just seems weird when I look on a sheet of paper and I see the word Elizabeth, I'm like, who is that? I don't even know who that is. Dear Liz, our office has received the announcement about your plans to retire. And on behalf of the entire board of general superintendents, I join with family and friends in expressing our deep appreciation when the miracle of God's grace is lived with purpose and intentionality, there is no way to measure fully its effectiveness. Your life is such an example. Through your 30 years of ministry as worship leader, you have modeled integrity, faithfulness, and Christ-likeness. All who have worked with you are richer for their association with you, and their minds and hearts have benefited from your spirit and friendship. I trust you will sense God's pleasure and he didn't even know my message today and smile on you as you celebrate today. Grace and peace to you and Bruce as you prepare to enter yet another phase of life. It will be exciting to see where God leads you, how he continues to use you. Congratulations, I pray the best for you and all that is to come. And so Stan and Liz, um, it, is, it is my joy to present to you today just a token, because it's not what you're worth, of our love 
our appreciation from your church family, just to say thank you for all that you have done. You are loved and always a part of our church family. Amen. Lord bless you both. And I would hug, I want to hug them both right now, but I'll refrain. Yeah, and, uh, and Stanley, wow, and Connie. I, how many of you uh, say I should just give this to Connie? Hands up, yes. All right, Connie. <laughs> Connie, you, you have fun in your retirement uh, early. Yeah. Uh, hey, we just want to say thank you. Uh, you have served so faithfully, unselfishly, and this church body loves all four of you. And though your ministry may, your, your ministry as far as the staff position may come to an end, uh, your ministry does not come to an end. You will continue to serve our Lord faithfully. And he will do, I think he will do more in the coming years than maybe what you have ever thought he could. And we're just praying to that end. Would you like to express your appreciation one more time? Yeah. Would you join me as I pray for them as we close? Father, you have been so good to us because you have blessed our lives with your faithful servants that stand here today. Oh, the faithfulness that you have shown to them down through these years. Times when they wanted to give up or quit, times when the load got so heavy that they just went home and cried times when people were maybe less than Christ-like. And you showed up <laughs> in amazing ways and reminded them that they could do all things through Christ who gives them strength. And you affirmed your call in their life. And now you've brought them to this new chapter. It's, it's not the final chapter, it's just a new chapter. And so we're praying, I pray, that as blessed as they have been to be a part of this church, I pray you would bless them even more in the days that lie ahead. May they sense your presence closer than ever. May they sense your provision vision for them greater than they ever thought possible. And Father, I just pray you would bless their homes and their marriages and their children. And I pray that these would be exciting days for them. And may they continue to feel loved, your love and our love. We pray in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, y'all can stand right out here and they always come by and I'm just going to let them wave at you. So you guys can stand right. Hey, you are dismissed. If you want to come by and wave at them or whatever you can, uh, Lord bless you. Hope that you have a wonderful day.